Hi, everyone. Kim just asked me where I am. Yeah, where are you? I'm in my brand new living room. <gasps> you didn't used to have one. I didn't used to have a living room because I was a poor little student mm -hmm. that didn't have a living room. But what I do have is quite possibly the best landlord in the world. Mm -hmm. I think the only decent landlord in the world. Um, and we have a living room now, which is incredible. And um, I'm in it just now. And also I want to, so this is how incredible my landlord is. I can't remember if I told you this or not, Kim, but my landlord turned up the other week and they'd cooked a vegan ragu, a big old vegan ragu. The best vegan ragu I've ever, the best ragu I've ever had in my life, right? We're talking like a deliciously Ella recipe mm -hmm. vegan ragu. Stun, 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 stun. Rosemary, the works, right? Beautiful, fragrant, we love. And rape alarms. What for more? For me and my flatmate. Would you like than a ragu so and a rape alarm? Ragu and rape alarms is the way forward, everyone. Um, and and the, the landlord is so woke that they actually apologised that the rape alarms were pink and blue in colour. Um, it was, just, I mean, honestly, it, it actually melts my heart. I feel like I'm tearing up just now. Um, so wow. I love my landlord yeah. so much. Yeah, you've done, you've hit the jackpot there. I have. Where are you, Kim? You're you're where you always are. Yeah, I'm where I always am in my in my house. Um, I've had surrounded by books and red wine. Exactly, I'm a happy place. Um, yep. I've had, as you know, I hate Sundays. I think they're disgusting and stupid and stinking. But I've actually wait, wait, why? Because. They feel awful. Church. Like you just want to burn your skin off immediately. Uh, why? I don't know. I think it's a. It's like an overhang from like my Calvinist ancestors. I don't know. I just right. can't be. My 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 family are the same. It's just like oh, I hate it. It makes me feel depressed. So, but what's what's your ideal Sunday to combat that? Just like if I went to sleep on Saturday and then I woke up and it was Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I just I can't, I just get just get it out just scratch it out the thing. But today I managed to do like a lot of useful stuff. It all gathered together, and I feel very, have been very productive. So fabulous on this occasion. Thank you, Sunday. You were fine. Um, I'm recording someone's album on Tuesday, and I've got some time to practice some cheeky little sneaky little corners. Fabulous. Um, meal prepped all the dogs' food. Wow. For the week. I'm just marinating some paneer for a little curry later <gasps> on after we do oh, this. Smashing. Um, made all my notes for today. Did a bit of work. Had a little nap. You have smashed it. It's like three days worth of stuff. So you yeah, know I like that's to do Um, How's your week been? Yeah, all right. I have been pretty fucked off. Mm. I think for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. With there not being enough time in the days, yeah, feel very um, under pressure, very stressed. Um, but today, you know, so like yesterday I was in Norwich all day. I had a festival gig and um, I need to tell you this. I was walking to the station after the gig and passed a quick fit garage, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, like your primary seven levers disco, mm -hmm. those kind of lights that the DJ had, they like all the cars had like were sporting those kind of light shows. Oh, 
and there was like a bit of a like school disco in the quick fit garage moment and I was just like get me out of here right now <coughs> so safe to say that after two trains and one rail replacement bus I made it back to London in the early hours of this morning lovely so safe to say after two weeks of intense stress and also being a bit ill and working and being ground down I've also started trying to read an illustrated version of Marx's Capital oh yeah just I'm for a bit of relaxation to, to, to read the whole thing <laughs> And I've realised that I've totally succumbed to the capitalist machine and I hate myself. Great. So while all this is going on, um, yeah, it wasn't great um, not having enough sleep last night. But today has been great. And I've really taken on board like what you said last week about mornings being the best thing ever. Mm. And I so agree. Like mornings, nobody can fucking bother me because yep. nobody's up. Yep. And like I just take things at my own pace and I love it. So today's actually been really nice because I got stuff done and I made some music for like did stuff for me which was lovely, um, and I'm there. I can see an end to the the, the busy period. Um, I'm gonna make some changes and, and it'll all be fine. Oh, that's good. Well, Sunday's yeah. been absolutely smashing for both of us then. Yeah. So never shit on Sundays ever again, Kim. I'm really sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> sorry, Sunday. Um, I had a nice gig yesterday. Um, daylight music yeah, series in a beautiful church um, <clears throat> with Bex Birch did a little duo thing and that was a complete delight um, we made like a sort of 30 minute soundscape thing that had some really nice recordings that Bex had made of some birds and some sounds that she recorded on her daily walks in Berlin where she lives and then um, I've a recording from, there's a traditional Gaelic singer called Margaret Stewart and um, we did a Glasgow Improvisers Orchestra project with Margaret. Um, but yeah, I was trying to find recordings of some traditional songs from St Kilda and I couldn't find them anywhere. Um, and as it turns out, they're called the Lost Songs of St Kilda for a reason. But yeah. um, Margaret recorded some for me um, just so I could ah. hear what they were like. So we used some of them and that sounded amazing in the church. Um, so that was a lovely way to spend an uh, afternoon. And it was an afternoon gig, so you're smashing. home by like four o'clock. Oh, smashing. Beautiful. And then the week before, yeah, the Saturday before, I went to see Carrie and Paul work. Oh, yeah, gorgeous. And it was just so nice. You've been so nice. loving the Scottish music. Yeah, I've been just, exactly, just um, filling up with Scottish things. And you went, mm. did you go to the theatre that night when I went to Kareen? Yeah, I went to the closing night of Overflow. Oh, nice. Travis Alabans, which I've seen like a million times. But yeah. it's it very camp, very gorgeous. Loved it. Um, yeah, I don't know what else I've done. I feel like I've done a million things, but I don't even know. I mean, it sounds like you've done a lot. So I think you're all it's right. It's been good. It's fine. Yeah. It's all fine. I'm going to Laura Marling on Wednesday night at the Roundhouse. Nice. That'd be nice. That'll be nice at the um, Roundhouse as well. Yeah. Love, love, love. Um, um, but have, yeah. Have you seen any I other music? Like, seen any gigs? Yeah. Have I? I literally can't. I can't even remember. I saw my darling pals, amazing... Um, EP launch Eliza Oaks oh, yeah. at Bermondsey Social Club recently that was astonishingly good you know when you like see your pals but like it's not even like your pals like you're just watching a superstar and you just feel so 
lucky to be present totally. at that yep. beginning moment of someone's journey. Yep, it definitely. really felt like a, a moment. I think um, we don't yeah. like. I'd really like to. I've tried to do this and like, or be mindful of doing it in the last few days. But I feel like we don't tell people how proud we are of them. Totally. You know, like totally. I mean, parents do it to their kids and whatever. But like, just I just see people around me doing stuff, and I'm like, I'm so Amazing proud stuff. of you. Yeah, like you're I, doing, just smashing totally it. I agree. Like I try and like gas up my pals as yeah. much as I can like because I feel like yeah especially on like social media like everyone's just like posting what they're up to or whatever and like we can become so numb to it we're just like oh yeah that's so and so doing another amazing thing or whatever but yeah. you're so right to actually take the time to be like you're amazing you're nailing you're it doing is amazing because we know how hard it is mm -hmm. to keep going like I really felt the ups and downs of being an artist the past few weeks I like, just it's fucking difficult and sometimes yep. it feels like you're the only person that believes in what you're doing so yeah when people do say like i'm proud of you or you know i actually got a really nice message from someone another creative who'd come to a gig of mine recently and, th and they said that that you know it was it was so i was so taken aback but it was just yeah they were just like you know i've i've been thinking about that gig since it happened and i'm just so in awe of you know whatever and like it was beautiful to because i really admire them as well so it was yeah. just like oh and then i was like this is such a lovely moment of like people supporting each other and actually telling people how you feel about their work and yeah um, and it can be yeah. so powerful if some if just someone who's like i see you i see how hard you're working you. you're nailing it and like going. sometimes if you're having a rough day that can just like change yeah. the world it's a lovely yeah. thing so we should just yep. do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about amazing art, mm -hmm. I mean, I've literally just been re-watching videos because um, of this week's oh, yeah. topic. I've just been re-watching, reliving amazing videos from amazing people. Um, yeah. I can't even remember like how we got onto this week's topic. Did I suggestion yeah it's one you, of yours was it me yeah yeah nina simone everyone so what made you pick her i think in like the first lockdown i eventually watched that netflix documentary mm -hmm. um is it what happened to miss simone yeah um, yeah exactly yeah is it that um and it just i thought it was such a good kind of holistic view of all the things that nina simone was mm -hmm. You know, like, it's really, I think it's a shame when people only know such small parts of someone so huge mm -hmm. and complex and, and incredible and such a legacy. So I just feel like she's someone that crosses so many boundaries in our, in our lives in terms of, and when we think about art and activism as well. Um, Definitely. Like, just such a huge figure. So I was like, yeah big up Nina Simone we love you know um and also I realized it's, it's Black History Month so oh. you know not, not to be in any way tokenistic but it feels kind of nice to definitely to be talking about someone like her you know she's an interesting one because she's so woven into the our awareness as, as just a cultural reference you know like yeah. that Netflix documentary is a really good example because so many people have mentioned that documentary who are in no way connected to the jazz world or or that part of who she is like it she's so transcendent and it it's like 
it's almost in a way easy to overlook her because she's just there. You're he- yeah. you can you hear her voice everywhere. The songs some of those songs are just like it's like we were born with them in our DNA. Totally like like and and it's so funny because I remember once actually <laughs> So Leanne Carroll is a huge Nina Simone fan. Mm-hmm. That's no, um, you know, it's, it's not a hidden fact. Mm. And I remember a vocal workshop once, somebody going, I'd love to sing Feeling Good by Michael Bublé. And she said, right. Right. First of all, there's only one version of Feeling Good and it's Nina Simone's. Second of all, what key are you doing? And, you know, that was like <laughs> yeah, the first yeah, yeah. thing. And I was just like, is it? but songs like that, like, we don't appreciate how iconic they've become you know they're so culturally ingrained and it's because of her and her voice and her version um all those tunes like feeling good and please don't let me be misunderstood and yeah like uh, you know they're they're nina simone songs and yeah there's other versions but like the ones that we keep coming back to are 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 hers and and well and it wouldn't matter how much of a music aficionado you were you could identify her voice uh, within a couple seconds, oh like God, everyone yeah. can. I think her voice has this amazing quality of like, it's super powerful and strong, mm-hmm. and it's super like vulnerable, yeah, and like raw, raw definitely. So it's almost like between like a mourn, it has that kind of mourning, wailing Billy Holiday thing, but then that like real soul belty thing, totally. Um, so like. And also, it's quite androgynous mm-hmm. as a voice. Very, yep. So um, it's a it's a deep, sonorous voice that is yeah, yeah it's definitely androgynous. Yeah, you're right. Um, and that that always drew me to her. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even like she's someone whose music kind of sneaks into your ears. It's always been synced for adverts, and yeah, you know, it's like, and some images of her are just sort of everywhere, and mm. and I think you're right. Like when. When I thought, like, we, what's my route in to, like, you know, thinking about this for for our recording, it was like, right, well, where do you start? Because there are so many ways that you could go in to mm-hmm. this person's life. And, yeah, when you, you're right when you say that there's so, she did so much. She was so much. And then I was thinking, like, the number of times I've thought that about people, that I just think that we all don't realise that we're all so much. Mm. You know? Like, the number of times I've gone, wow, I just, I didn't know that about them, or I didn't know that dimension of them, or I didn't know that contradiction about them, or I didn't know that complex thing about them. And it's like, actually, I don't know anyone who doesn't have those bits. She's a brilliant example, you know. We all contain multitudes. We do. But I think what's sad about... Nina Simone's story is the minute her trauma that she endured through her experience of life kind of manifested Mm. in her character, we didn't want to celebrate her anymore. We didn't want anything to do with her anymore. Yeah. Because it makes people feel uncomfortable because it's too raw. It's not. mm. It makes you face something you don't want to face. Yeah, that always struck me, especially in that documentary. You know, it's like she was deeply, deeply troubled and had a fucking hard time. Yeah. And and really fought to exist authentically in a society that really didn't want her to have any power. Mm-hmm. 
and like it kind of still sickens me how the record industry made so much money and continues to make so much money off these recordings that oh, becomes absolutely. so iconic yet she was like continually subject to so much abuse yeah and marginalization and kind of exploitation and like it's a long I mean, line we, same of... thing happened with billy holiday and like yeah. her predecessors do you know what i mean ma rainey fucks it you know absolutely everyone there's just, and we a, just see it time and again there's like, a history of us the way that we uh, treat powerful women um yeah. is to exploit them and actually the way we treat humans is like that but it made you know it made me think of well it made me think first of like um whitney houston and mm. a similar thing of like a very troubled person and wore her trouble and her pain and her grief for everyone and sort of very usefully because I think sometimes it, if it's too much, if you're overwhelmed by how to express an emotion, sometimes watching someone else do it is a really cathartic experience. Mm. But you don't sometimes realise the toll that it takes on that person doing it on behalf of you and them. Exactly, it um, catches up, yeah. But also her, you know, her kind of, I don't know, her downfall, her, you know, the leading up to her death was it all played out publicly but in it's the same messy, way yeah. super messy and in the same way people start sort of leaning back from it because they don't yeah. want to confront you know mental health issues or substance no, abuse we, issues we want or, it in the the art but not in the that's right not in real life yeah definitely we we don't we want it when it's like packaged in a three and a half minute song or in mm. a really beautiful painting or whatever but when it starts being referenced in real life it, people get very uncomfortable very quickly britney spears similar thing here's a woman yeah, who totally. you know like how do we exploit financially and emotionally someone who is you know is his is expressing themselves so is of in a vulnerable mm -hmm. position um yeah. and we've just never stopped doing that caroline flack yeah. is another one yeah, like yeah, just yeah. you know these people and uh, uh, something that i was because i i sort of approached this one a little bit differently so I kind of just focused on one particular bit of her which was um when she moved to Liberia interesting yeah that's a really um, interesting part of her life because I was kind of interested in the, in why that happened and what her experiences and then branch off from that all this stuff but it was um I know and and we can get onto that later but Part of the reason she went was because she was just so tired. She was so tired. She had given so much of herself and she had just been ground into dust and she needed to go and repair. Um, but even my first thought when I sort of I made that connection between her, you know, being part of the civil rights struggle and then moving to this pretty complex and not without a lot of issues itself, um, Liberia and the kind of cultural elite that that moved there my first thought was does that sit right with your like activist principles to do that and then it's like hang on that's she isn't there for you she doesn't exist for anyone she's else she's there for herself yeah. yeah and if she's tired in fact it doesn't matter what she is she doesn't she doesn't owe anybody anything no. But you know how easy it is to fall into a trap of believing people do owe you stuff. When they've put themselves in a position of of well they're already sacrificing something when they're when they are doing any kind of raising their voice about something. 
you quickly learn to take that for granted and just think, no, you have to keep doing that on everyone yeah. else's behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it was a, it was really useful for me to just like check myself doing that because we just always do it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do you want to start? What years were those that she was living in Liberia? Uh, it was like, like, like seventy four to kind of seventy seven into seventy eight. Yeah. Because it was like extreme success for her. And, right, exactly, yeah. And then she went away and then she kind of came back and had a bit of a resurgence and it was all a bit of a messy downfall. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. But I mean, I, yeah, I suppose very briefly, you know, she was an incredibly talented young woman and she would she would have went to Juilliard to study classical piano, mm-hmm. but um, due to the nature of her being young and black and um not extremely wealthy you know it meant that that was not a path that was open to her so she started playing in piano bars and jazz bars mm-hmm. and uh kind of cut her teeth doing that and and that was her kind of musical upbringing i suppose from yeah how i understand it um yeah and she was kind yeah. of talked about as someone who was well I think, yeah, this idea that she was going to be the first black female concert pianist. Yeah, yeah, It's kind yeah. of what she... That was what she wanted when she that was younger. That was her, and, yeah, real dream, yeah. I think there were definitely there were people around her who wanted that for her as well, but the world was not up for not that. Not ready for it. Not yeah. at all. Um, yeah, and it, 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 the way that I heard someone describe it was like... Almost, there's this kind of societal recognition of the bits of art and culture that people were people were comfortable, kind of allowing black people to flourish in. Yeah. Kind of ghettoizing, I guess. Yeah. And so those doors were open for you. Being a concert pianist was not one of them. No way. Yeah. And it wasn't even entertained as like an option. And it was it is it was that thing of like no no these things are yours you can have those but don't start trying to step into any of this mm. other stuff you know. Um, so yeah, she did, she did a lot of, yeah, she just like paid her dues, didn't she? She properly like did all the job and gigs, like she just gigged yeah. it all. Yeah. And, and, you know, she did, and then, and then had all these, I mean, incredibly successful records, as we mentioned, these iconic records and, and someone that like, in terms of musical output, sung like serious like jazz standards but then a lot of blues and a lot of funk and soul and then mm. like pop like yeah. the beatles and all sorts like and you know she and and classical as well like mm. really like and and, and a lot of kind of classical french well, well, popular french music as well and and it just really had an amazing intersection of influences and styles and always retained her that voice it was always her you know yeah undoubtedly one of my favorite recordings um w- that i was reminded of recently is, is this video recording of her she looks like an egyptian goddess she yeah. has amazing hair all like done up and like it's a recording of to be young gifted and black the song that she wrote inspired by a play of the same name Mm -hmm. and it's from the harlem cultural festival in 1969 okay and i'd always seen this video recording online and i didn't realize that's when it was from and the reason that i was able to make the connection is because i went to see this documentary called the summer of soul okay that was all about it was a documentary by quest love 
Oh yeah, I heard about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was the Harlem Cultural Festival, like, was on the same year that Woodstock was in the right. summer of '69, and and basically it took place over six weekends in Harlem, and there was all this footage from it, and it literally lay in dormant for like 50 years, like nobody had seen it, and then it's been unearthed for this documentary that was released a few months ago, mm. and um, I'll just talk quickly about how this festival because I could not believe it, like. So it was like six weekends in Harlem and it was kind of very like for the community, by the community. Like the, it was um, the security were the Black Panthers. Right. And those performances from like Mahalia Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone. Um, and it was like one of the biggest cultural music events in like history, you know. Mm. And it was a, just a year on from the assassination of Dr. King. And there was a, you get a real sense of the Harlem community in this documentary. You know that the, the they cover like when Neil Armstrong was going to the moon, and you kind of have these like old dudes in the street going like, "How about some of that money in Harlem?" You know, like, <laughs> yeah. who gives a shit about him going to the moon? You know, and um, it was just like, real people, real stories, real poverty, but mm. also real joy, and and it definitely felt like a real erasure of Black history and Black culture. The fact that for 50 years nobody had seen this footage or knew about this amazing yeah absolutely thing that had happened yeah but anyway there was nina and, and actually there's this amazing moment where mavis staples and mahalia jackson sing with this saxophone player um who was very close to dr king they sing his favorite hymn for him and and it's like it's like something else mm. i mean it's just like chills um, but Nina Simone, kind of de- I don't know if it's the debut or like an early outing of To Be Young, Gifted and Black. Mm. And it's so brilliant. It's such an iconic recording and great footage. And, and that is one of my favourite um, favorite recordings of her, actually. Right, it's yeah. Kind of her and her prime, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and when she was right in amongst that civil rights movement as well. Yeah, um, she was... Really ca- unapologetically. She was like a bit of a supernova. Like, she was just mm. like... That was like peak, wasn't it? Because, I mean... The, she was definitely someone who was successful in her time. It wasn't yeah. like those those releases took a really long time to pick up. Like no, she, she was, was like a superstar. A superstar. Yeah. But yeah, right in amongst you know the, the civil rights struggle, like the amount of yeah, she was just going at like a trillion miles an hour, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I I know. I guess yeah, that sort of period is where like if you if I close my eyes, that's the sort that's how I see her that sort of incredibly statuesque really striking woman yeah um someone said there's a thing about someone took piano lessons with her and they said that um like the main and when this little he was a very little boy at this point and said the main thing he remembered was just her eyes were like it was like they were burning you know there was this, mm. this wildness this like life force that that w- was in her eyes that like he'd never seen before or since i think she was definitely formidable but she had a bloody good sense of humor as well i mean yeah. is that, that another great recording of her being interviewed for the bbc very much later on in life mm. and they ask her about you know her experience of the record industry and she says well they don't pay you yeah and she'd followed some record execs from her label. They were on holiday and they were having a business meeting in a restaurant and she had a gun in her bag yeah. and took a pop at one of them. And they said, is this true? And she said, yeah, yeah. I'll do it again. She yeah. said, sorry. She said, sorry, I missed them. Yeah, they took my money. And, you know, she was, there was no playing, you know? No. Um, 
and and obviously she had her struggles with mental health and and was quite wild but but i believe that even in the most neutral of mindsets she would have still taken a pop at these bastards oh yeah i mean absolutely i mean the amount of money that she never saw that record companies generated from her and this was at a time where there were so many amazing female artists starting to be picked up and really pushed by labels um and so we're sort of on the one hand it was like loads of loads of visibility and also for these people who'd often been working away but you know without people realizing for a long time honing their craft yeah then it was like oh i've made it but then this really dark underbelly of it all where they were being you know harassed and discriminated against and treated awfully and like Mm. like tricked out of all this money because she'd said you know and and I and other people have said it was in the millions the amount that that she never saw that she should have yeah she should have got um yeah and yeah I mean I think it was she she was bipolar wasn't she yeah and she did a tricky relationship with I mean she was in an ab- abusive relationship and had a tricky relationship with her daughter as well yeah I just well, right? she had a lot of demons and yeah there was a couple of times like. There's another story and I can't... It wasn't to do with... It was after um, someone was assassinated. Not not Mal- Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, but some someone else, another black person was, was murdered. And she sort of like scurried off into the garage and her husband came and said like, what are you doing? And she was like... She was like making this like little kind of bodgy gun that you'd make from like spare parts and she was like I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to I'm going to kill the first person I see that um needs to has some holds some responsibility for holding us back for the last 300 years and he was like hmm I mean that's great but maybe you could do that in another way rather than murder Fucking people hell. but like yeah that's like this fire in her she was just like mm. right that's what we're doing I'm going to make a gun now right off I go and it's like yeah. Jesus Christ Almighty. But as a symptom of of the oppression. That she oh, absolutely. Faced, you know, none of us know because I I think that some people listening will be a bit I don't know they might find that uncomfortable to hear. But we don't. Well, me and you cannot fathom no way what a lifetime from the minute you arrive on this earth to the minute you die on this earth of being Nina Simone would have been like. No. And I'm talking about Nina Simone as a black woman, yep. you know, like you don't, we, we cannot fathom how, how your rage would manifest. No way. But you carry it around. Making fucking guns and petrol stations, you know. Absolutely. You carry it around like a big boulder 24-7, yeah. you know, you're going to snap one yeah. way or the other, aren't you? Yeah. Um, th- there's a thing. It's certainly not, by all means, it's not just women, but this thing of, like, writing off powerful women as soon as there's any kind of reference to mental illness or any kind of... It's just like, oh, you know, there's there's a reason why we use the term hysterical and it's to do with people thinking that hysteria came from the womb. Like, we've always had this idea as as a species 
that there's something innately sort of untamable and like fragile in women. Mm. And as soon as there's any kind of hint of some a little bit of imbalance or a bit of an impulsive decision or something, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You're done. You're done. Totally. You're totally. not allowed to have a bad day. That's you. You're exactly. finished. You know. Yeah, or make mistakes or whatever. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think like. Well, also, I think be, when you're a minority, you're always asked to be representative of that entire group, right? Yeah, a spokesperson in some way. And yeah. I, I, that's always really got to me, you know? It's like, because it, people are allowed to, should be allowed to speak up when they feel empowered to. Yeah. And, and when they choose to without being expected to. Absolutely. You know? And it also doesn't, you know, they, it, it doesn't mean that... Like what I say is gospel. Like, yeah, or or applies to anyone else but them. Yeah, but like, you we know. can only speak for ourselves in the hope that it inspires others to stand with us. But like we cannot. I've felt that on a really small scale myself. Like as someone that is gobby, like sometimes it feels like people wait for a response from me on something, mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like all you're getting is my gut reaction to things and, and sometimes I think about things and then I choose to speak up in a more formal way because I care and I've and I feel compelled to, but that doesn't mean that like every time someone's like getting cancelled on Twitter, I'm gonna have an opinion about it. Like I am I've never claimed to be that person. I know. I, I think like in because I, I yeah, similarly like have I've felt at points like just like I was, my opinion was going to be looked at and scrutinised because yeah, I'm someone more who so than speaks other out or whatever. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the way I've kind of reconciled it is that, you know, all I can possibly ever do is speak from my own experience. But what I can do in a way that I guess you can generalise is normalise speaking out and normalise taking up space and yeah. also normalise, like, making mistakes, um, misarticulating things being misunderstood, changing my mind. If I can exactly. do all that, then someone else might feel more comfortable doing that stuff. Because yeah. um, otherwise, I think you get, like, you can become really paralysed. Like, I don't want to open my mouth at all because, like, yeah. it's, you know, there's no... The, this, the kind of, like, And you're right, culture. like, until yeah. we're in a position where everyone feels like they can have a voice and be listened to, it's going to take more people to go the extra bit. Definitely. Someone has um, to kick the door down a bit yeah, if someone's not yeah. not able to do it themselves, right? Totally. Um, yeah. And that's what that's Nina right. Simone that's was what so Nina amazing Simone at. did, yeah. Yeah, um, totally. I uh, mean, there she was, beside Dr. King, James Baldwin, yeah. everyone, like, fully... And, and in these hugely vibrant artistic circles of people that gave a shit about life and art and... Completely. She was always there, you know. And there's this lovely, there's this quote. It's Tony, Tony Morrison. Tony, which Morrison. Tony? No, not her. Another one. There's loads of Tonys around the place. Um, Tony Cade Bambara said, "The role of the artist is to make revolution irresistible," mm. and uh, and that's what she took. That's what she absolutely well, did. Well, you know, I the, that. The Nina Simone quote that we all quote all the time is an artist's duty is to simply to reflect the time. That's right, exactly. In which they live. Uh, that, that's a Nina Simone quote, you know. And there's this amazing, um, there's a recording I was listening to the other day where she's kind of, she's talking to the crowd and 
she so she sings Mississippi Goddamn, mm. which is like my word. That is Rage. an extraordinary piece of music and yeah. one that she did. She started to regret because she felt like it hit her financial success pretty hard. Like the labels didn't want to do well, with that's her. That's the thing. Once she started making protest music, yeah, people which are like, is what, what it was. Nope. They didn't want it. They were like, can you sing Feeling Good again? Yeah, exactly. Can like, no. sing, sing one we know. Um, Honestly. But yeah, so there's a line in that. Um, the whole country is full of lies. You're all going to die, going to die like flies. Yeah. And like, so she sings it. And then there's a kind of interlude. And she's she's like talking to the audience. And she goes like, if if you know anything about me, if if you've ever like, if you like this music, if you like what I do, she was like, for God's sake, like join me. You know, and she, yeah. like, compels people to, like, stand with her. Um, yeah. Now, in a way, it never felt to me like she was, like, lecturing or... I don't know, there was yeah. something about that call to, to action that felt inclusive rather than exclusive. Absolutely. You know? It was very much come and stand with me. Yeah. And, like, rather than, yeah. that... I don't know, I think there was something... Because she was so... I don't know, she was so charming and, like, so electric that that... When you think about, okay, well, what can I do uh, to make the world better? What can I do to help the struggle or whatever? She knew how to, like, harness her powers, and one of she them did. was... She did. Like, how to get people to listen to her, to get people yeah. to look at her and listen to her and turn this way. Art, and music, then, yeah, fame. Totally. And she, <laughs> and she used out. it so well. Yeah, 100%. And 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 art and music has have always been a central form of protest, right? Yeah. Like, like her listening to her protest songs, they do not differ from what came before. They they are the blues. They are strange fruit. They mm -hmm. are the 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 chants from the fucking cotton picking farms. They are you know whatever it is. Like you can hear it all in there, and it's 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 really it it's that legacy that you're hearing. And one the. Someone said a really interesting thing and it kind of links back to the episode we did on eroticism as power and said that one of the things that made her voice in the in the struggle so important but also so like potent and powerful was that the discourse, the energy around freedom and revolution was so masculine and what she brought was this extraordinary like eroticism in that in that sense yeah. of the word yeah um where you you this you this woman who was both strong and vulnerable at once like incredible like someone described it as like if i wouldn't have even thought about it as someone who was like sexually attractive or sexy it was something like more transcendental than that yeah. there's this incredible power that came off her like in waves you know and it's like the audrey lord thing when we talked about this the eroticism as power and like the oppression of of women and of black women being at the root of you know all all of the struggles mm -hmm. um and she was such an important voice to add to that mix because it was a very masculine um you know, discussion, um, yeah. and 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 it was yeah. I think that it really. I'm sure there were a group of people who who connected with her as the first point of entry, in a way that they didn't with some exactly. of the male figures. I 
totally hear you. I think that's an incredible point. Yeah, it's totally. re- and it's it really sums her up in a way that. Uh, yeah, I get. I hadn't thought of it like that, but it, that was. Yeah, there was something really powerful about her being a woman. You know, absolutely among this hugely male macho movement. Yeah. yeah. And and talking about her voice again, you know, there's amazing talking about that performance at the Harlem Cultural Festival. Mm. There's a quote from Reverend Alan, Reverend Al Sharpton mm-hmm. that characterizes her voice as somewhere between hope and mourning. Right. And I think that's a really good totally um, characterization there. You what can, are some of the recordings that stick out to you? Have you been doing much listening? I've been doing bits and pieces. Like, I think that that way of describing it's really interesting because I think there's like, you can definitely hear. One of the f- things that really stuck out to me was like, take Mississippi, uh, goddamn, as an example. It's a pretty jolly old um, feel. You know, yeah, like we're chicken yeah. of like, you know, just kind of chopping away and it's all pretty like lively and bright. And there's something really disarming about that. But in a way that is like completely who she is, there's like you can hear grief and pain mm. in her. You can mm. hear like anger and tiredness, but you can also hear hope and this real belief that things would be better and that she deserves better and everyone deserves yeah. better. And there are few people who I can think of who managed to do all that in one performance in the mm. way that she did it. Like lots of people I can think of who who give incredibly emotive performances or in but feel a lot more like one of those things. But she was so many things at once in a way that is like it's only when you really sit back and or it's only when I really sat back and listened to it again that I kind of respected the depth of that. Right. You know? I think she was also an incredible storyteller. Incredible Amazing. songstress, you know, in terms of lyric, you know. Definitely, um, yeah. I mean, some two, of the lines, like, just kill you. There's two amazing recordings that I listen to quite a lot. And one is If I Should Lose You. Mm-hmm. has this beautiful kind of pianistic... You really hear the concert pianist in her, like, mm. at the beginning. She's, it's very floral and delicate. And then... She sings If I Should Lose You, which just kind of breaks your heart. Yeah. And then there's an amazing recording of her. And this features in the Nina documentary. She It's live at Montreux. Mm-hmm. And it's after she went to live in Liberia and all that. And she was doing her kind of comeback. Yeah. And she really wasn't very well. And she came on stage at Montreux Jazz Festival. And she was having a ruffled time. Out there. It was quite a messy performance, I think. But she, she sings this song called Stars. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I need to see. I'm going to look up right now who it's by. It's quite a famous song. And it and she just kind of improvises a lot of the verses. Right. Um, And it tells the most incredible story. I think it's a Janice Ian tune. Yeah, it's okay. Janice Ian. So it's got that beautiful storytelling quality mm-hmm. in the lyric. But Nina Simone does her own thing with it. Yeah. And, and starts kind of improvising the lyric. And, um... It's really special. And it's one of these tunes, it's like any folk music, the the content is simple and yeah. and repetitive, but it's about the story. And by the end of the recording, you're just like tears streaming down your face. I like, can't quite believe it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think when, yeah. 
yeah, as she gets older, I think that's her performances becomes more and more poignant in a way. More poignant, more chaotic, like much more chaotic. She yeah. it was very hit or miss, and you know, there'd be gigs where she'd do like five minutes and she'd be away, or she'd yeah. not turn up, or she she was drunk or whatever. But all that is just it's it's just sort of like wrapping paper almost that holds the same thing in her that is always in her. And so you the, like you say like she's probably she, it might be that she just forgot the words to that song, but what's in her is the ability to like pull from really deep inside her, which is mm-hmm. what makes her so powerful to to do that performance, and it does make yeah. it more poignant because this is the thing where like if you were a heart surgeon, you wouldn't just be you wouldn't just keep going until you were in your eighties, and everyone would be like, oh. That was a bit of a gammy old heart operation they did there. Well, they have been doing it for like 60 years. like. But like there's something, there's a compulsion to continue to create, I think, as an artist. Mm. But also there's another sort of acceptance that we that people should just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Sometimes yeah. there's a financial whereas, incentive as well. Yeah, whereas I think the acceptance should lie in being more for being more accepting of where that artist is at in their life. And Definitely. And therefore they're going to sound different, they're going to behave different, they're going to create different things. Yeah. Like a, like a couple of beautiful examples, and funnily enough, it's often white artists that we give less of a harder time to oh, sure. when that happens. So like Joni. Yeah, Joni is the one I was thinking Joni of. Joni in her yeah. old age. You know, she, can she fuck sing three notes by now? But yep. we all love it, mm-hmm. and and, we, and she's fully embraced. You know, she's dropped about six octaves and smoked six million fags <laughs> later, yeah. and she's still making like symphonic albums of her music, and we all love them. Mm-hmm. And like Patti Smith is another, you know, again, yeah, yeah. we love. It's like she's hardly dancing on the stage, going because the night, but we we fucking love her. Like mm-hmm. she's speaking poems and being weird as fuck. Yep. And like, do you know what I mean? But like Nina Simone, oh no, 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 no. no. I know Definitely. it is really interesting. Uh, there's. And Joni is an interesting example, and I think they sort of live in some ways quite close in my head because both very formidable women, like mm. Joni is someone that is a scary lady, and yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I'd have a right we old time at the pub with you. We all know any fear of Joni Mitchell. Sure, she's terrifying. Right. She's like the, the, the goblin in your dreams. She's the um, boogeyman of our lives. And the, the thing, like, you see her in... Another similarity is the way that they conduct interviews. I think Nina Simone yeah. is a master of the interview, right? Yeah. She's yeah. beautifully articulate and erudite and she's funny. Her voice, like her speaking voice is beautiful. There's yeah. there's like, she's she's really brilliant at them. Joni in another way, similarly, is like she's very focused. She's not like flippant or frivolous. Mm. She's, she's not going to be led down your fucking garden path of bullshit. She had similar experiences in terms of being exploited in the record industry. She's got that level of like bitterness and soreness and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're right. We t- It's totally fine for Joni to just be sort of farting about and doing whatever she wants and we all think it's brilliant. Yeah. And so we should. Yeah. But why no, don't, don't we extend Joni, that? Yeah. We, we should extend that to everyone. Totally. And you're right when you say like, when you go to see a performance of someone you cannot be using an album from 50 years ago as the reference point no for what chance. you're going to get. Because it's, it's not fair for them impossible. either. Exactly. And it's, yeah, we do, we do do that all the, all the time, but it is interesting that we do select who we're going to really come down on. there's such a beauty in hearing the aging in someone's voice. Totally. totally. And like, 
and yeah, there's just embrace the beauty in it. It's not even like you're making allowances it's like you're actively appreciating different parts of someone yeah that's right it isn't making allowances it's actually just listening properly exactly it's it's not present in that moment yeah what they're instead of bringing your own stuff as a requirement to what you want to hear it's just accepting what's happening like it's not an allowance at all one thing that everyone must go and see is the prom i think i sent you a clip of it yeah but they did a prom two years ago a Nina Simone prom with the Metropole, Jules mm-hmm. Buckley, and the singers were the two soloists were Lisa Fisher and Legacy, mm-hmm. and then they had Le Vu, so that's Vula, um, LaDonna, and Charlene, kind of legendary singers of the London scene, singing as well. And like, honestly, like Lisa Fisher, that was my first experience of Lisa Fisher, and I think if anyone embodies Nina Simone, it's, it's Lisa Fisher. Like, she is utterly spellbinding mm. in that prom and like i didn't see it live but i know people who did who were just like said it was magical and like i think it's just such a beautiful celebration of nina simone's music like yeah it's just an utter joy to watch it's, it's musical excellence it is cultural excellence it's black excellence it is fucking beautiful mm. and i was watching more of it just before we came on and I was like, I just want to send this to every single person I know. Like, yeah. Because yeah. it's just joy. Instead of like, was it you two that just gave everyone their album oh. when no one asked oh. for it? Oh, yeah. Should do that, that with Nina Simone. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to give it to everybody, make it something good that's not shy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, so, yeah, she's done, so she's experienced a lot of success in her time. She was like, you know, she was doing it. She was everywhere. She was she was just living it and doing it. And then she d- she moved to Africa. Um, basically, she moved, she was just done. She was done. Malcolm X had been assassinated. Martin Luther King had been assassinated. She'd been deep in the civil rights struggle. She yeah, wasn't like, seeing... I don't think we appreciate the trauma that that must have caused oh my god people who were fighting on those front lines absolutely like, absolutely they were both shot yeah dead. yeah as I mean, young so men many people were but like yeah those two figures who were the leading lights mm-hmm. and then just, they were just gone they were gone exactly in such a sort of harrowing and violent way yeah she's just like you know she's been pushing all this energy into the civil rights struggle. She's not seen it reflected back in change. In fact, she's seen it reflected back in people being murdered and, and the violence kind of escalating. She's also so tired of, well, the record industry, but also performing and all that stuff. And so, um, in, and Nixon's in the White House, and that's a fucking nightmare. And uh, she said, like, the, the final straw was disco. She was like, right, fucking hell, I'm away, <laughs> fuck this, so. Oh, I'd be having words. I know, I was like, listen, Nina, come on, that's Give a little bit chance. dismissive. But anyway, she was having a bad day. So um, what was going on in Liberia was that there was, um, well, Liberia's really complicated. Um, the capital of Liberia is Monrovia. That was named after an, a US president, which mm. she is always going to, that's never the start of a good story. And it was sort of founded by the American Colonization Society. Again, it's not a society I care for. for And it was basically 
um, it provided the chance for to for former slaves to return to Africa. So it was like we don't we've 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 abolished slavery. We don't really want you here. You know, it's against a lot of our wills that we've abolished slavery. We don't want you here. So how about here's you can return home even though you're not all from Liberia, but it's all the same, isn't it? So we'll just oh give you a bit. Um, off you go there and start your own place and you can sort of flourish just away from us. Um, obviously, people already live there, but what we are really good at as the colonisation society is, um, you know, just like shitting all over uh, a population to um, steal a it. And, yeah. you know, just um, you know, pillage the land. So we've done that for you. You don't have to thank us. Um, off you go there and like, you know, just live your dreams. So similarities there to Israel, like as a sort of homeland, which is a similarly complex thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that had that been going on for like 100 years. But the, the sort of political climate in Liberia in the 70s was sort of quite, quite progressive. So the um, the president was was quite progressive, was kind of like had a value of culture, had a value of education and uh, this kind of vision of people kind of being unified and being given kind of equal opportunities. And so there was a very attractive proposition. Um, and Nina Simone said, she said, maybe I'll find peace there. Maybe I'll find a husband. Maybe it'll feel like I'm going home. Mm. So she took her little girl she just she got out of a very abusive marriage. Um, she took her took her twelve year old daughter, and they went to Liberia. Um, and she was there for three years. She had an amazing time. Like she felt she, well, she felt like she belonged. And suddenly, the color of her skin wasn't a black mark against her name. It wasn't a. It wasn't to her disadvantage. It actually pushed her to the top of the social standing and there were you know every she was around these incredible kind of academics and cultural leaders and brilliant artists and it just welcomed into this circle of people that just that treasured her in the way that she should she should have been treasured and she never had been um she felt like she'd found like her people, you know, and it was there was all these brilliant restaurants and clubs, and she stopped performing. She would just do like she would play at people's houses or she'd do wee things, but there was no pressure on her to do any of that. So it was kind of like this kind of cultural retreat in a way where she kind of could take off all that, that the kind of pressure of fame and all that stuff, and just like just hang out. And she, you know, she she had these relationships with these these lovely men and she had all these brilliant friendships and she really she she flourished there which she clearly needed because she'd just been completely depleted of everything and, and like you said earlier we can't on in any meaningful way understand what it's like to never be accepted in the place you were you were you yeah. live and were born yeah. and to feel like that is such a powerful thing but it's a very complex thing because there was a lot of what she fought for in terms of civil rights and equality and trying to trying to disrupt um where the power lay in the states 
arguably what she did was she stepped into those powerful shoes somewhere else. Um, There's a lot of tension between the those that had moved to to Monrovia to Liberia um, as the kind of cultural financial elite and those who were the native population who were yeah you know inferior think, in every way. I think this brings up a really interesting thing about how the civil rights movement was as much an anti-capitalist movement as it was a movement for racial equality. These yep. things went hand in hand. If you look, I was actually reading about the Black Panthers' t- uh, Ten Point Manifesto, and it's mm. all it's, it's it's class struggle as well yeah. as black struggle. You know, they, they, there was so much work being done by you know Dr. King's last big action that he was organizing before his death was a, a it was a, a war against poverty. Um, you know, and and we you know the, all these ideas about redistribution of wealth about education for all um a lot of like food programs in the community were being run by like these women that were involved in the black panther movement and mm-hmm. and, and especially that like, in harlem but there were community activism initiatives that were trying to empower people um and and to redistribute wealth and knowledge and and to to stand up against the, the state and against capitalism and 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 in, in financial inequality as much as it was also racial inequality. So, yeah, I just think that's an interesting point. And then, yeah, there is a really hard, not hard, but a really interesting scenario where, you know, it, it, it happens within itself, that there's still class struggle there. Yeah, there might be. It's, like the, it's like the trajectory where the bullied become the bullies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... It's very complex and there isn't a judgment on it, but it is, it's a very complex scenario. And after she left, it wasn't long, I guess, maybe less than two years even before the before Civil War broke out. Um, right. And so uh, th- this, the, the, the president who'd, who'd kind of welcomed people in and been building this, this kind of progressive society was, he was murdered. He was like, he was disemboweled. He was complete, yeah, and that was that's that was the start of what would be mm. decades of really harrowing civil and war. What was this a cause of colonization? Absolutely, it was us, <clears throat> absolutely. You know? um, yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, just, there's very few problems in the world that we can't run back to. Fucking, I know, I know, I know. Those it's just, small group yeah, of again, combines. You know, um, as you said before, and you know, like to the point where you know there's. There were there were kids in Liberia having to eat other people who had recently died in order to survive. What like this is just like nothing. Very very easy for us to just walk away from this, but this is like one of the worst kind of atrocities mm. we've ever seen. Um, and like, and this is you know we were supposed to record this a few days ago, and I asked if we could postpone because I was just like totally rinsed. It's like you can get yourself into a little bit, you know. Um, don't I don't really want to think about kids eating other kids. Like I'm really yeah. tired, but there's one little bit, one tiny solitary lightness within the library, the Liberian Civil War. Do you know about the naming of the generals? So the the generals that overthrew Liberia. Do you know about the tradition and how they named themselves? 
No. So they it's named... pretty niche bit of knowledge, Kim. <laughs> yeah, like, but... What were you expecting me to say? Oh, I, yeah. Well, listen. I when actually... You, when you find Get... out, you'll see why I'm asking. Okay. Um, so basically, they, the thing was that they wanted to give themselves names that would kind of strike fear into people. Right. They wanted big, powerful names that would, like, freak everyone out. So probably the, well, one of the worst ones in terms of what he did, he was just a completely, he was just demented. But his name was General Butt Naked. So he said that when he fought naked, he was immortal. Right. And, I mean, even if he wasn't, if you were going to fight somebody and they got all their clothes off, you'd be like, I am thrown. I'm thrown you by what be. you've done. Well, I, I, there's a kind of, it's a bit camp, isn't it? It's very camp. The whole thing's very homoerotic. camp. And that's the delight in it. There's something Yeah, very it's almost, sort of I, I mean, I could go down the glory it. and see something like this. Exactly. And so, yeah, so it was General Butt Naked. And then one of them called themselves General Mosquito because the <laughs> mosquito has killed more people than any any Other living animal. person right yeah, yeah, yeah so then he was thinking oh that's really clever like i've i'm a mosquito oh i've, yes. I've taken that you know I've, I've nailed it with the name his enemy called himself general mosquito spray ah, <laughs> that is fucking brilliant so there's butt naked there's mosquito there's mosquito spray fucking running over here butt naked he's just running about with his wang out like scrapping oh my god like oh it's like a drag troop isn't it I'm isn't you. it it's like that is joyous there's some just a lovely little absurdity in there yeah, that really the yeah so incredible now i understand why you had to postpone by a few days to yeah. let that sink in i had to just you... let myself get ready and have hold Bloody that piece hell. of information yeah um Fabulous. but yeah i mean like there was loads of other so like james brown moved there for a while um wow. Hugh Masekela who is a, yeah because you know, so Miriam Makeba became mm -hmm. a really close friend of Nina Simone's and I think encouraged her move yeah, yeah she did she was the one that said she called and said like yeah. you should, should come over um yeah definitely a real hub of of black artists well you can imagine friendly. these people who had fought for for so long that's right just had, to be told there was to, a place where you yeah, would be yeah, respected belong. and you'd be treated Celebrated. as you'd never been. Like, that. that is... No, no wonder people went, right? Yeah. Nelson totally. Mandela was there, you know, Jesse yeah. Jackson went there. Um, and I mean, it's too... It, thankfully, they got out before the Civil War started. I mean, right. they clearly saw the writing on the wall a little bit. Yeah, they bit didn't there. have to see fucking butt naked dick swinging exactly kids eating kids <laughs> exactly because it wasn't far off and they would have seen yeah. that like um but it's it's something that like it does have similarities to israel in the way that well there's a book i'm reading at the moment which is um which is about land ownership and basically like the question like when did the natural world become privatized right um so this it's like it's called tales of trespass and it's like it's really fascinating kind of 
these things that we take for granted, but there was, mm -hmm. you know, there were these points in history where all this common land, someone decided this mm -hmm. is now not common land anymore. And I've built my wall and my fence and you're not allowed in. And um, we'll change the rules and the laws so that if you do come in, we can shoot you. Like this is like yeah. and property and ownership became and still is the most powerful kind of yeah. legal position in yeah. history. If land ownership, land, yeah. boundaries and borders are yeah. the sites of all of this struggle. Of all evil. Really, yeah. And all. like the, I mean, the Tudors, right little knobheads, like Henry VIII has a lot to answer for. He was a, such a little arsehole. He was, he would have called himself something stupid if he'd been, yeah. in, you know, he'd have called himself like general, like big giant knob. It, yeah, yeah, it would have, oh, what a nightmare. Um, but it was sort of the Tudors that sort of said, right, let's kind of carve up England and just give it to our five friends. And then that's all mm. just still the case. And it's the, it's the same now in terms of like, whose land is this and who owns this piece of land? It is the... Millions of people have died as a result of that question. Yeah. Who does this bit of land belong to? This idea that you can just kind of put a fence around something and put people in it as a and way call to it yours. yeah, it's th yeah exactly. We've decided now, like the goal, like the arrogance of that that happens that that at some point you just believe you can do that and you, you can just do the that. Goal and the gumption. Yeah, it's like it's, it's horrible, but. Yeah, if you t if you were to take if you were to take the people who did make that move to Liberia in in that time period, you have a very very interesting starting point for incredibly important cultural figures and black thinkers, yeah. um, which you know will, I mean Hugh Masekela is incredible. Yeah, that's someone that incredible. Yeah, def about. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was drawn to that part of her life because. I think that's great because not many people know about that part. Of no, life. absolutely. And and I'm, I didn't know that much about it. I certainly didn't know about Liberia in that way. So thank yeah. you for doing that. And so, yeah. So after that, like you said, she sort of, she came, she sort of lived in Europe for a lot of the rest of her life, yeah. actually. And yeah, came back into performance and I, I think kind of deteriorated in terms of her. As, as we have seen with many yeah. stars that have had their demons but she still she said that like the she never got um, over the grief of leaving liberia kind of like she felt like she was demise. torn from that place um, like she said she looked um she looked down as the flight was taken off and she realized what she was losing oh are you back Hello? Hi, I just lost you for a minute, but I kept recording, so that should be So did I. Great. So did I kept recording, so we should be So, right. Sam, if you could just do your magic dust on that. Snip, and tip, and tip, tip, snip. <laughs> um, where were we? Doing a bit of a rap, weren't we? We're You're doing, doing a little a rap. rap, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you mentioned some performances for people to check out, so we can, we can put some links up there so that people can see yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, and I think we, yeah definitely check out summer of soul that quest love documentary mm -hmm. if you get the chance it's unreal it's and kind what of up there sorry go ahead 
it's kind of up there with Amazing Grace, that mm. Aretha documentary. It's sure. very similar. And I think um, that What Happened, Miss Simone is a great documentary as oh well. Oh my God, yeah. So. Go and watch that. Incredible. And the Nina Simone prom. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's another one, the amazing Nina Simone. There's another film which is an interesting one. Yeah, apparently that's shit. Um, I was l- looking at a Galdem article about that and how you know it wasn't really approved by uh, Lisa, her daughter. That, yeah, that's right. Day. Yeah, because didn't Lisa? She was really involved in uh, what in happened. What with happened Simone, with Simone? Yeah. yeah, that's the one to watch because yeah, yeah. she tells a great story and is absolutely there and honouring her mother truthfully and yeah yeah and she's she wrote an autobiography which is really amazing as well actually just to hear there's a cool recording of her actually it's her diane reeves uh some other amazing people singing for women oh nice and it's great um Um, just as an aside um have you seen the video of it's um it's a recording of that's what friends are for and it's um dion warwick uh, a very young Whitney Houston, uh, L- uh, Luther Vandross, and young Stevie Wonder. No, but that sounds fucking incredible. Yeah, and okay. I'm normally obsessed with videos like this. I've literally scoured the internet for like um, Aretha and Luther Vandross doing right. in like one night in Toronto. On yeah, tour yeah. And like, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, so you've got to watch this video because a, it's amazing, and everyone's like, f- fucking, it's just banger central, right? Yeah. But so they're in a line. And um, so obviously, like Dion Warwick's, like you know, the Queen, and and yeah, we're kind of yeah. there's reverence to the Queen, and then everyone it kind of works down. Everyone's got their little bit where they pull out mm. their moves, you know, and mm-hmm. Whitney Houston <laughs> starts, and and everyone's just like, holy Christ, what's happening here? This like child is is yeah. like possessed by the devil. Now Luther Vandross is at the end of the line, and the way that I read the video is like he's like singing the way, but his head is like, oh my god. Like everyone's doing their like most cool shit. Everyone's amazing, yeah. Yeah, like I we, should have put more sequins on my jacket. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone looks amazing and everyone's doing their best thing. And we've got a little, you know, we've got like a six bar, eight bar section yeah, to yeah, do yeah, a good yeah, thing. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm a bit panicked now. And so when it gets to him, he does the weirdest noise. Oh really? the weirdest noise now the crowd love it because they're just like don't know what's going on this is insane but i like it but the the noise it just lives in my head all the time so please watch it i'm gonna check that out i'll come back next week please do yeah yeah that's one thing that i want you to check out okay is are you you're aware of christian queens right yes you know i never knew that they covered freedom oh i did not know that either it came on in my Spotify today and I was living. I was like, who is this? I was like, it sounds so like Christine and this song sounds so familiar. And then I put two and two together and I was like, holy shit. It's Amazing. incredible. Yeah, it's I do really love good. her dancing. Oh, I, was I love her dancing. bopping away changing okay. my sheets this morning. I'll do that. Um, there we go, everyone. Well done. Things to check out. Homework for the week. Homework. Yeah. All Don't right. be bad. Do it. Don't be bad. Right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>